We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. afternoon and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. Today, we're going to be asking a very brave question. We're going to ask the question, is the law of attraction really working? Now, there are some people out there who are asking that same question just to, to sort of put away the law of attraction and, and disrespect its uh, intention or to, to really just say it's not valid at all. But that's not what this discussion about is about. This discussion is about determining whether or not our current understanding of the law of attraction is really actually working. The Law of Attraction came about as a result of uh, some work done by Esther Hicks when she channeled a group of entities or spirit guides called Abraham. And she and her husband, Jerry, began to publish books about it that took off like wildfire. And then one of the most popular studies of that law has been found in the movie and book called The Secret by Rhonda Byrne, which came first. Esther uh, and Jerry Hicks or Rhonda Byrne, uh, understanding those, are, uh, those questions keep spinning around in our little niche audience here, that uh, which came first. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. The idea is that um, that understanding of the law of attraction was basically this. If you think positive thoughts, positive things will come your way. And from that premise was built an entire world of law of attraction world. It it's, uh, uh, has a mindset of its own now. It has a walk of its own. And it has come to envelop a huge portion of the, of the sort of new age, new thought uh, world of, of philosophy and uh, spirituality. But if we, if we examine it, and if we've talked to lots of people as I have, talked to lots of people out there, both as clients and as readers and as, and as listeners, who tell me that they're trying really, really hard to do the walk of the law of attraction, but it's just not happening for them. They're not getting the quote-unquote results they're looking for. And even though they've since, since the original law of attraction was formulated, and I've very much simplified it, so I don't mean any disrespect to Esther and Jerry Hicks or to Rhonda Byrne but, uh, or to any of the other authors that were in Rhonda Byrne's book, but to be able to say perhaps we need to examine it a little bit further to find out if, in fact, the reason that it's becoming hard for us to implement this law, 
is because the soul has another whole agenda. In, on September the 30th, 2011, this year, the book, The Law of Attraction, The Soul's Answer to Why It Isn't Working and How It Can, will be released. And you'll be able to pre-order that book prior to that time, and I'll keep you up to date on that. But that book examines this whole premise of our current understanding based on the idea that if we think positive thoughts and we work with our brains and our thoughts and our mindset, uh, then we will bring and attract positive things into our lives. It's, it also works in the flip side, that if we think negative thoughts and if we have a negative mindset, then we will attract negative things. As time has gone by since the beginning of our understanding of the first popularity of the law of attraction came about, we have run into little barriers. And as we have, we have begun to develop other methods of dealing with those barriers. The first of those was affirmations. We were to change the mindset with affirmations. We were to change our minds by thinking new thoughts and inserting those new thoughts into the old schemata of our lives. And as we continued to do the affirmations, our minds would change. And while I agree that we can change our minds in that way, we can actually even work with some of our belief systems that way, um, I do think that it has also brought about another phenomenon which, is, uh, which has been common to religions around the world, which is repression. Whereas if I think really positive thoughts, I might be also repressing some of what I consider to be negative thoughts. Ergo, where I'm not establishing my truest, fullest self in positivity. I'm only repressing what I call negative and trying very hard on the, on the conscious world to live into the positive. Um, so we, we then encountered that phenomenon as we were sort of experimenting with this law of attraction, and we began to say, okay, what's this about? If I can repress negative energy and then it can come out in some kind of other way, well, then I'm attracting negative stuff without knowing it, so I guess I need to get to know my unconscious mind. Well, then we began to do some work on the shadow, and, and uh, Debbie Ford and some others have done some really good work on the shadow material. But at the first of our energies about that was, was that we, uh, we were to sort of clear the blocks. People started going to healers and, and um, working with crystals and doing all kinds of things like that to sort of heal the blocks to uh, being able to complete their positive affirmations. And one of the things they did was create vision boards. And the vision boards were supposed to keep the mind focused on what was positive and the results that they wanted. And then, you know, you were supposed to work with the blocks and the shadow material. And as that happened, you would be able to manifest your dreams. Uh, nobody, in that process, nobody really began examining the whole thing about what our dreams really were. Were the dreams really um, authentic desires of the soul? Or were they just um, desires to, for example, um, become the CEO of some corporation because we lived in shame as a child and we were trying to outrace the shame? We never examined that in that process um, until we got to working with shadow material. And then when we got to working with shadow material, it was like, okay, I'm working with my negative self. Uh, the shadow seemed to be the negative, and the conscious mind was then 
to be working really hard to maintain a positive thought. And what we did in that process, in my view, was we split the self off further from awareness. We, we, we have a stronger set of unconscious material and a stronger set of conscious material, but they're still divided. The object of the game, according to Carl Jung and many of the world's theologians and um, uh, mystics and spiritual uh, uh, giants, have really informed us that the object of the game is not getting rid of any aspect of the self, but merging all the various aspects of the self. And one can't do that when one determines that the negative, the quote-unquote negative, is going to facilitate negative consequences in our lives because then we live in fear. I have to quash the negative in me. Therefore, I'm, I'm never going to have any negative experiences in the external world. Uh, in that process, what we do is we just continue to repress, and the more we repress, the more there is yet to be conscious of, and the more the, the psyche tends to throw that stuff back up into us so that we can see it. So we have determined that the, the law of attraction has to do, really, ultimately, our understanding is the law of attraction has to do with the external and the internal. The internal is supposed to be working hard to rid itself of any negative energy so that we can attract from the external world what's positive to us. The problem with that is, A, it doesn't work that way, and B, when we do it that way, as I said, we are further splitting ourselves off See, we are, we are denying the very essence of the purpose for our existence, which is not to capture the external and, and allow it to make us happy, but to be fully fulfilled inside of ourselves, within ourselves. Now, that does not mean that the external will not also be a part of that. It merges with the internal. Remember, we're to merge all aspects of living. But, but to say that I'm going to bring happiness to myself by attracting what's external to me is to belie the fact that all joy comes from within. So we've got some, while the uh, law of attraction was really a good start to our understanding about how the world really works on a spiritual level, it's missing some things. And it's time now for a law revision, a major law revision, so that we take it back to Congress and revise that law. And we begin to look at it very differently now. So as we're processing through this today, we're going to look at a few different things. We're going to look at thought. We're going to look at desire. We're going to look at emotions. And we're going to look at what the spiritual texts actually say. And, of course, we only have an hour for this. And the book, as it comes out in September the 30th, the title again, The Law of Attraction, The Soul's Answer to Why It Isn't Working and How It Can um, will be released September the 30th and will be available to, for pre-order well before that. And again, I'll let you know about that. But that book will, will give you a lot more detail and a lot more understanding of how this thing works. But basically what we're saying is we don't want to get rid of the law of attraction. What we want to do is upgrade our understanding of it, revise it so that it's more true. Um, if, we're, if we're telling ourselves to split ourselves off further, we're not telling ourselves the truth. If we're telling ourselves to repress, we're not telling ourselves the truth. If we're telling ourselves that our spiritual texts actually do agree with the law of attraction, guess what? We're also not telling ourselves the truth. For example, there's a lot of the uh, pundits of the law of attraction who will say, 
that the Buddha uh, put forth a statement that that it says basically that he agrees with the tenets of the law of attraction. The quote that they use to uh, put forth this idea is this one: "We are what we think. All that we are arises with our thoughts. With our thoughts, we make the world." Now that sounds very much like it's a law of attraction statement. But if you study the rest of the, the, te- the texts that have been written um, in the Buddhist uh, religion, for example, the Surangama Sutra, translated by Upasaka Luquan Liu in 1966, she says that you should know that the essential Bodhi is wondrous and bright, being neither cause nor condition, neither self as such nor not self as such, neither unreality nor not reality, not unreality, for it is beyond all forms and is identical with all things. How can you now think of it and use frivolous terminology of the world to express it? This is like trying to catch or touch the voice with your hand. You will not only tire yourself, for how can you catch the void? The ultimate Bodhi is the awakened person. And that is uh, what is described as neither cause nor condition. So how is it if the awakened person is neither cause nor condition, how is it that we think that we can cause an attraction with our thoughts? And if we believe that, then we're saying that we're trying to grab hold of the void. Uh, The Buddha was very much um, aware of the idea that mindfulness was meant to bring us uh, further from attraction. It was to bring us to detachment. And so a lot of our thinking as we've processed through what the law of attraction really means has come down to, well, we're supposed to be attracting from the external world things that will make us happy because that's part of the reason we're here. And then on the other side, we're supposed to also be not attaching ourselves to the result. And that causes a lot of confusion for people who will come into my office and say, well, I'm not attached to the results, but I really want X, Y, and Z. (laughs) And they argue with themselves about that and say in the cyclical reasoning. So we're going to talk some more about that when we come back in just a moment. We'll be back right after the break. for a transforming world. Seventh Wave Network. The Institute of Noetic Sciences has been a pioneer and leading authority in the field of consciousness and healing for 38 years. We invite you to discover how you can transform your health or healing practice with ION's cutting-edge research into mind-body medicine and healing. For a limited time, you can receive valuable thank-you gifts when you support the Institute of Noetic Sciences research and educational programs. Just click the banner on this page to discover how consciousness research is transforming healthcare. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. 
Are you tired of the government squandering your tax dollars on bailouts and overpaid bureaucrats? On Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Mike Beitler and his guests explain why big government regulations are the problem and innovative businesses and free markets are the solution. Listen to Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And as you just heard, the Authentic Living Show is sponsored by the Institute of Noetic Sciences, dedicated to expanding science beyond conventional paradigms. Founded by Apollo 14 astronaut Edgar Mitchell, IONS is a nonprofit research education and membership organization whose mission is supporting individual and collective transformation through consciousness research, educational outreach, and engaging in a global learning community in the realization of human potential. You can join that learning community at www.noetic.org. And we're talking uh, during this show about the law of attraction, and whether or not it's really working. And we're asking some brave questions. It's hard to think about this stuff. As a matter of fact, for a lot of people, it's quite frightening to think about this stuff, to think that perhaps we may need to revise our understanding of the law of attraction. We don't need to debunk it. We don't need to throw the bathwater out with the, uh, the ba- out, baby out with the bathwater. What we need to do is be able to rethink. And, and I'm hoping that this show and the book that will be coming out in September will organize a rethink so that we begin to recognize the true power of the law of attraction, which, as we will see during the show, has to do not so much with attracting from the external to the internal, but rather becoming more, more of who we are as divine beings. So, okay, let's talk about that. What is thought? Uh, as we said in the last segment, the, we've got some ideas out there that the sacred texts tell us that Buddha, for example, was telling us that our thoughts are what creates the world. But if we examine the readings further, we understand that he had a lot to say about um, attachment and and detachment. Um, Buddhist teachings emphasize mindfulness and acceptance of what is instead of a constant focus on outcome. And like I said just before the break, our outcome sometimes is what we get all attached to when we're really trying to work with the law of attraction, even though we're trying hard not to be attached to the outcome because we've heard that we're not supposed to be. <laughs> but we get us in this, is this, in this cycle of um, I'm, I'm, not attracted to the, I'm not attached to the outcome, but I have to keep thinking about the outcome in order to keep my mind positive. So it's really difficult to stay in that space. Um, here are just two of the quotes from many, many quotes from Buddha about attachment that are found in the Dhammapada. Avoid attachment to both what is pleasant and what is unpleasant. Clinging to what is dear brings sorrow. Clinging to what is dear brings fear. To one who is entirely free from endearment, there is no sorrow and no fear. 
And he also said, I have sons, I have wealth, the fool suffers thinking thus. Even one's self, self is not one's own. How then sons? How then wealth? So when we, we start thinking about wealth in terms of what we can attract from the world, we have to ask ourselves, okay, what is that? Now, I want to say I'm not backtracking and saying that we can't enjoy an abundant life here on this planet. I do believe that part of the law of attraction is very, very important for us to continue to believe that it, it, if, we, if we can accept the fact that we do have the right to really expect to be provided for, then we will be provided for. Uh, and that, pro- that providence is not based on um, us going out and using all of our effort to get it, you know, striving and suffering and all that. Um, that's one of the things that duality has us believing, which that's another whole show, and you've heard that a couple of other times. Go back and look for those if you want to. But uh, that duality thinking has us believing that we're split off from the divine, and therefore we can't be provided for. But if, if we do believe that we're not split off from the divine, then we are provided for, and we recognize that in our lives. So I don't want to dismiss that idea. I think that was one of the best things the law of attraction brought to us is an awareness that we're here in this world, and we're really supposed to be enjoying it, not telling ourselves that uh, deprivation is, is a part of spirituality because it absolutely is not, uh, at least not in my opinion. So uh, the Buddhist thoughts ran much deeper than the simpli- simplistic equation we find in the current understanding of the law of attraction, however. He constantly asserts that we must look within for everything, that our journey is not one relative to having, but it's to awakening to the riches and power found within us. So those people who say that the Buddha was promoting the current understanding of the law of attraction really either don't know what the Buddha had to say, or they don't understand the message, the entire message of uh, the Buddhist religion, or they're deliberately trying to fool us. And I don't think they're really trying to fool us. I think that there might be some misunderstandings there. But um, what, what, what the Buddha was meant, and, and you can see this in many of his other writings, uh, when he used the word thought, was he meant perception. Here's another quote that clarifies that. In a pellucid ocean, bubbles arise and dissolve again. Just so, thoughts are no different from ultimate reality. So don't find fault, remain at ease. Whatever arises, whatever occurs, don't grasp. Release it on the spot. Appearances, sounds, and objects are all one's own mind. There's nothing except mind. So... What, what he's basically saying is your own reality creates your own reality. You are, you are um, your beingness, your sense of yourself is the only reality you really know. So he wasn't saying that our thoughts will attract from the external world, as, that, as many people interpret that one statement taken out of context. He was saying that our perceptions of reality make a big difference to us in terms of our own suffering. So now that's just Buddha. There's lots of other religions in the world and lots of other uh, ways of looking at reality. But the way the law of attraction has us looking at reality is in, is in the idea that if we can maintain some positive thinking, then we should be able to attract whatever we want from the world. If we visualize wealth, then we will have wealth. And I have people coming into my office all the time and people talking to me on the phone and people who are readers and listeners telling me that, no, that's just not working for me. And um, so one of, the, one of the ways I've begun to think about this is what is thought? I mean, what, what is thought, really? When we, when we really get down to it, is it 
Does it come from itself or does it come from another source? Do our thoughts come from something deeper inside of us? And my belief, there's that word, my belief is that our thoughts spring from our beliefs and our thoughts spring from our emotions. Um, we, ha- we can also think and change our emotions, that's true, but, but thoughts that just come up spontaneously either come from our beliefs or they come from our emotions. So I can have uh, a belief that bad things always happen to me, and that's going to create an emotion, and the emotions are going to uh, uh, trigger other emotions, and my thoughts are going to come from that too, and perhaps even my behaviors. So we have to go a little bit deeper for thought to understand what, what is the source of thought. Beyond that, we also know that not everything we worry about happens. There's a lot of people out there that say over 90% of the things that we worry about don't happen. So if it's true that our thoughts attract, then why aren't our worries attracting terrible things, all the terrible things we think we're thinking about? One of the stories I have from my own childhood that sort of tells this clearly is uh, I used to uh, enjoy the fine art of procrastination when I was a child, and I did not like to empty the trash cans very much, which was my chore. And um, so my mother would come home from work in the evenings and notice that, of course, the trash cans were not emptied, and I would have to empty them then when it was dark outside. And we had a very long backyard, and there was a dark alley behind our house, and we had a fence in the, over the, across the back with some honeysuckle growing over the gate. So it was sort of encapsulated, and the gateway was ha- encapsulated in honeysuckle. So I had to go across that long backyard in the dark, and I had to go through that honeysuckle to get to the, to the alleyway to put the trash in the trash can. And I was terrified the whole time. I was afraid that somebody was lurking in that alley and was going to kidnap me or kill me or something. And so I always had that fear. Why I continued to procrastinate, I couldn't really say, unless don't psychoanalyze that too much. But, but if, we, if I walked, the closer I got to the gate, the more I was sort of watching and looking, trying to survey and make sure that I was safe. And then I would dash through the, under the honeysuckle and I would go to the trash can and toss the trash at the trash can, missing, you know, part of the trash landed on the ground. And then I would race back to the, to the back porch, feeling like that man was racing behind me and was about to grab my ponytail the whole time. So that was a huge, repetitive, negative, as some people would call it, thought. Now, I can think of all the reasons why I might have had that fear, but the point is that I was doing what the law of attraction says. I was repeating a visualized, emotionally-based, charged, energetic experience in my mind that never, ever happened. There's never been a man in my, the alleys of my life to carry me away and, and murder me or kidnap me. That never happened. So why not? I mean, that was some pretty strong, powerful, energetic law of attraction work, right? So why didn't I attract that man? Many of our thoughts don't happen. Many, many, many of our thoughts don't happen. So why are we thinking that our thoughts are the thing that that attracts? The other thing, as I said in the first segment, is desire. We never stop to question desire. We know we want something, but we don't know why we want it. We don't know what attachments we've made to that desire. The example I gave in the first segment was, well, I want to be the CEO of this organization. Why do I want to be the CEO of this organization? Well, I haven't ever stopped to think about that. I'm just power-driven, and I'm going to step on anybody I want to and look back at the dead bodies I've left behind later. I just need to get there. 
Um, and now that's really a, a, not the way every CEO does it for sure, but, you know, I could do that. I could use that powerful urge to become a CEO to become a CEO and, you know, clear the decks before I get there. But what is it that's pushing me? What is that drive really about? Is it really about a keen desire to give something to the world? Is it really about my authenticity? Or is it just something I've attached my ego to? And ego is a loosely used term here. As you know, if you've listened to any other show, I use that term very loosely. Not, it's thrown around quite a bit. But for lack of a better word right now, the sense of myself that isn't my authentic self is what I'm calling the ego. And that part of me might have attached itself to the need to be extremely powerful because I felt extremely powerless in my childhood or because my father was a CEO and he thought that that would make me into an excellent person and I always wanted to please my father or, you know, you name it. There could be thousands of reasons why that desire seems to be uh, the ultimate thing. Then I might get to be the CEO and I might not enjoy that job at all. When I'm talking to people about, for example, the kinds of careers they want, and this is a real good way to sort of clarify desires because it's, it's clearer than relationships tend to be, I, 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 I hear them saying, well, I want this and I want that. But if we look at the actual tasks of the job they want, they don't want to do those tasks. They want the money. They want the prestige. They want the power. But they don't want the tasks. But the job of made, is made up of the tasks. So lots of times it's very, very hard for us to clarify what's going on inside of us when it comes to desire. Is it authentic desire or is it something else entirely? So that's another thing that we really haven't examined a lot when we come to talking about the law of attraction. If it's not authentic desire, is it really going to manifest? Well, it could if we, you know, clear the decks. If we push hard enough, we can make things happen. But... Is it what we really, really want? And are we now fulfilled? Those are the questions that we didn't ask when we started thinking about the law of attraction. And these are the questions that must be asked if we're really going to be able to implement something akin to a law of attraction. When we come back in the next segment, we're going to talk about what the law of attraction might really mean and how we can start that journey toward fulfilling it. We'll be back right after the break. Stay tuned. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. The Institute of Noetic Sciences has been a pioneer and leading authority in the field of consciousness and healing for 38 years. We invite you to discover how you can transform your health or healing practice with ION's cutting-edge research into mind-body medicine and healing. For a limited time, you can receive valuable thank-you gifts when you support the Institute of Noetic Sciences research and educational programs. Just click the banner on this page to discover how consciousness research is transforming healthcare. Want to change your life? The New York Open Center can help. We offer hundreds of ongoing classes, workshops, and professional trainings that heal the body, nurture the spirit, and awaken your true potential. Visit opencenter.org to check out our programs in holistic health, self-development, spiritual practices, creative arts, and much more. 
With our wellness services, bookstore, and cafe, we're an oasis in the heart of the city. And with Open Center Online Learning, you no longer have to be in New York to take classes. Visit opencenter.org today. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. Drawing on resources from wellness communities throughout America and abroad, the show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free. 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. we're back. Uh, As you also know, the New York Open Center is another sponsor for the Authentic Living Show, which is dedicated to nurturing body, mind, and spirit through holistic learning and world culture. Workshops, classes, and professional trainings, trainings in the arts, holistic health, spiritual inquiry, psychology, and more are offered daily. Faculty this season includes Elizabeth Gilbert, Julia Cameron, Anodia Judith, and Thomas Moore, to name just a few. Visit www.opencenter.org to see all that's available at the Open Center, as well as their newly created online opportunities. So we've been talking today about the law of attraction, and we're asking the brave question, is it really working? Uh, And what we're deciding is that there are gifts that are given to us by our current understanding of the law of attraction that need to remain in play. But we also are beginning to say, well, maybe some of our understanding of the law of attraction is not really correct. First of all, what we need to understand is that there are several other laws, in universal laws, in operation with the law of attraction. And just like uh, the, the law of gravity works with the law, uh, the law of speed, the law of movement, then we also know that the law of attraction is going to work with the other laws. So uh, what we have is we have a law of projection, We have um, the law that says that we can project onto other people, places, and things, things about ourselves that we don't want to know. Because we've repressed it, we can project onto other people, sort of like a movie projector, onto another person, and we can see that other person is having that trait that we ourselves have denied within ourselves. And that can work in all kinds of ways, both culturally and individually, both collectively as a world and individually. So that law works with the law of attraction. Um, The law of one also works with the law of attraction. You can't be in the law of attraction and also be in the the hypnotic trance state of duality. So that's important to recognize as well. So when we realize that we're one with all things, then the law of attraction, um, as as it truly is, the true law of attraction, will work better for us. The law of visibility and invisibility. There are things that we can't see. There are things that don't seem to have form, and then there's form. 
And what we uh, come to understand ultimately is that form and formlessness are somehow united. Just as the body and the soul can be united, form and formlessness can be united. And uh, the completion of our job here on planet Earth is going to be to become fully conscious. As we become fully conscious, we'll be uniting form and formlessness. And that is also a part of the law of attraction. The law of choice is a part of the law of attraction. So that we can understand choice as um, a, a feature of whatever else happens. We tend to think that uh, bad things can happen to us and make us do certain things, but actually nobody can make us do nothing, <laughs> as we say in the South. We, uh, we choose what we do. Even if somebody comes in, my, uh, comes in here right this minute and says, Andrea, I've got a gun to your head and I'm going to you know, blow your brains out if you don't jump out that window, I still have some options about what I'm going to do. I can fight. I can run. I can scream. I could you know, run outside and let some people try to help me. I could see if I can get to the phone and dial 911. I could let him shoot me. I could do several things, but I still have choice. So I would say there's almost never a time. I hesitate to use the word never, ever, but there's almost never a time when choice is not viable for us. So there's a law of a choice. There's the law of now. And the law of now is that past, present, and future are all one. Everything is happening right now. Everything that is going to happen is happening right now. Everything that has happened is happening right now. So we are unified in the past, present, and future. And that is a part of the law of attraction. If we can recognize our our um, nowness, our presence, our truest authentic self in the present, then we are a part of the attraction that is the law of attraction. The law of karma. Now, I have a different understanding of the law of karma uh, uh, than lots of people do. As a matter of fact, I'm not the only one who has this different understanding, but I do have a different understanding of it. And that's because we typically see karma as a function of duality. We did something in the past life for which in the next life we need to be punished, or we could, as it's euphemistically called, we need balancing. Uh, but from the perspective of the law of karma, in harmony with all the other universal laws, karma is simply the intention to awaken. So karma is the thing that says, oh, you didn't see that last time. Okay, what can we do this time to make sure you see it this time, or at least get closer to seeing it? And in every life, if you believe in reincarnation, in every life, We evolve closer and closer to being who we truly, absolutely are. And so the law of karma is a part of the law of attraction. And uh, um, so what that means is there is no mutual, there is a mutual reciprocity between the law of karma and the law of attraction because um, there is no duality in the law of of attraction. Law of attraction is based as we currently understand it, the law of attraction is based in duality because it says there's an external that is holding something I want and can't have until I implement the law of attraction, which will bring it to me. But the law of, of oneness mixed with the law of karma and the law of projection and all, all the other laws of choice, when we put all those laws together, what we come up to with is there's no external. There, everything is mind, as the Buddha said. So there's only, there's only what I am experiencing in my internal. That's what, the only thing I can own for sure. So um, I'm not trying to blow the mind by saying, well, you know, there is no reality. I don't believe that. But I am saying that we experience reality based on our internals. So then there's the law of love. Everything comes down to love ultimately. 
And um, we can talk about that in another whole show, and we will do that. But everything ultimately comes down to love, because even the, the so-called bad things that happen to our, into our, in our lives can, if used, become instruments in our own personal growth and our own evolution. So ultimately, they are loving. Um, so all of these laws are working together. And then th- finally, there's the law of life. The law of life says that life is the essential purpose for living. We're, so many people say, well, what's my purpose? What's my purpose? Don't I have a purpose? And I'm like, you're breathing in and out. You're living. You're alive. That's your purpose. You know, what's the purpose of a tree or a flower or, a, you know, uh, a blade of grass? We tend to think in terms of that linear reasoning that we have that says everything has to have a purpose that I can figure out. Um, so we say, well, the grass is here to, to make my life easier. The, gra- the flowers are here for me to enjoy beauty, and the trees are here to bring us oxygen. And, you know, we, we, we devise these purposes because they all are, are human-centric. They're based on what we think we need and what we decided what we wanted. And, and so the world is built for us, and we're the only reason the world exists, the only reason nature exists is for us. And, and I, I think that's quite interesting that we do that. The law of life, however, says that coursing through our veins is the essence of the life force that is more powerful, more potent, more passionate, more joyous, and more peaceful than we can even imagine in the current duality trance state. It runs through everything as steady as a heartbeat so that we, so that we are constantly having that life energy in us, but we live in the duality trance state where we don't experience it. So, and again, that's another whole show. We can do that one too if you like. Just let me know. Bottom line here is that what this all means when we put all these laws together is that the true law of attraction is not me working hard and striving to control my thoughts so that I can have what's external to me, but me evolving into who I really am. So what I'm, what I, everything that I attract helps me to become more true to who I really am. That is the essence of the true law of attraction. And if we can get into that flow, then we're, then we're a 99 or 100% closer to the real law of attraction. And so if we revise our understanding of the law of attraction to mean that we are evolving and that everything that comes into our lives, that we bring into our lives, is a part of that, that evolutionary process, what are we evolving to? What are we, what are we becoming? What does that mean that we're evolving? Are we improving? You know, there's a lot of uh, people out there that talk about self-improvement. I'm not sure I want to improve my authentic self. I want to know my authentic self. I want to live into my authentic self, but I'm not sure that I want to improve it. I want to be able to experience it. I want to be able to know the abundance and the joy and the fullness that is the fulfillment that is who I really absolutely am at my basic core essence. Um, But I I don't want to improve that because I don't know that I can. It is wholeness itself. I don't know what you can do to improve wholeness. So... Um, I'm not about the business of self-improvement. I'm about the business of self-knowledge, of self-experience, of living into my truest essence, living from and into my truest essence. Um, so the law of attraction is really not uh, here for us to 
figure out how we can have abundance from the external world. I think we can create abundance from the internal world. And that, that's a real shift in understanding about the law of attraction. And if you don't get anything else today, I would love it if you could get that one thing. It isn't working hard to attract from the external world. It is building an external world from the authentic self, from the essential core of who we are. That brings us to um, a truer understanding of the law of attraction. So, okay, so let's go back now and, and, and look at this whole idea of thought and desire and, and the shadow material. We're going to talk about the shadow just a little bit more at, in the last segment of the show So that because that's a big old boogie bear and we want to be able to grab hold of that and, and get some understanding to it. So we'll be back in just a few minutes with the last segment of the show. Stay tuned. for a transforming world. Seventh Wave Network. The Institute of Noetic Sciences has been a pioneer and leading authority in the field of consciousness and healing for 38 years. We invite you to discover how you can transform your health or healing practice with ION's cutting-edge research into mind-body medicine and healing. For a limited time, you can receive valuable thank-you gifts when you support the Institute of Noetic Sciences research and educational programs. Just click the banner on this page to discover how consciousness research is transforming healthcare. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tong has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. You live for the firsts in your child's life. But how do you cope with the firsts that come after your child is diagnosed with cancer? CureSearch.org connects you to the doctors and scientists whose collaborative research has turned childhood cancer from a nearly incurable disease to one with an overall cure rate of 78%. CureSearch.org. You're not as alone as you feel. Brought to you by CureSearch and the Ad Council. to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back with the final segment of our show today. We've been talking about the law of attraction and asking the brave question, is it really working? 
And what we've determined so far is that there are many parts of the law of attraction, as we've come to understand it thus far, that are very valuable and need to be kept. But there are some parts of it that need to be tossed as we build something uh, more true, more clear, more truly spiritual. Um, so the law of attraction uh, is based on the premise that supposedly was said by Jesus that we reap what we sow. That was not said by Jesus. That was said by Paul. But, uh, and we don't always reap what we sow. If we look out into the world, we know we don't always reap what we sow. We don't always get what we want. We don't always, um, and what we want is not always what we really want. <laughs> so it's important to really examine what's really going on inside of us when we're working with something called the law of attraction and to put it together, as we said, with other laws, universal laws that are equally powerful. Um, it was once said by one of the, uh, proponents of the law of attraction that the law of attraction was the most powerful law in the universe but actually it works in combination with several other universal laws that are equally powerful equally powerful and uh, when we put them all together what we come up with is qu- something quite different than um, trying to attract from the external something that will bring us happiness um, and completion and fulfillment through our thoughts and training our thoughts So I said before the break that we would talk a little bit about the shadow, and I wanted to end on this one today because it is a boogie bear. It's one of those that's out there, and we're talking quite a bit about it. That word was not uh, even in the dialogue of the American populace uh, up until the last five or six years, really. And it started out as basically meaning whatever you find to be bad in yourself. You know, that's your shadow. What's what's bad? That's your shadow material. Um, But actually... If we can do away with duality, uh, there's not bad and good, and that's a, that was a show a couple of weeks ago. You want to look back at that, you can, or listen to that, you can. But if, if duality says there's bad and good, and I live into one or the other, and that's how I live, and that's what we're here to figure out is you know determining what's good and what's bad, and throw away the bad and keep the good. But again, Carl Jung says that the object of the game is to integrate, and you can't integrate if you're going to toss pieces of yourself away, and you really can't toss pieces of yourself away. But we do try, and when we try, where those pieces land is in the shadow. Now, those pieces are not bad or good. They're just pieces that we don't want to know about. So everything that is something that, that we don't want to know about is what lands in the shadow. One of the things we didn't want to know about when we, were, uh, when we developed the duality trans state many, many, many centuries ago in our very origins which, again, is part of the reason we're here is to work through that. But And, again, that's another show. Look back a couple of weeks and we'll be talking about that. Uh, we were talking about that. Um, but the idea is that uh, duality tells us that we must remain in a split-off state, conscious and unconscious. But the object of the game, according to Carl Jung and many others who understand uh, how wholeness happens, is that we integrate all those different aspects. So... So when we, when we became aware of duality or when we decided that duality was the one truth, we tossed away the idea that we could be one with the divine. That idea is so foreign to us now that many religions call that subject matter blasphemy. That, it, that if we think of ourselves as one with the divine, that we are blaspheming. As a matter of fact, according to uh, the Pharisees, that was one of the reasons why Jesus was to be persecuted. So the, the, uh, the, the notion is that we're talking about here, though, is so, it's so threatening to the psyche that we just don't want to know about it. So we shove that into the shadow. 
So down in the shadow with all the things that we find unacceptable is our very own truest God nature, our very essential core beingness, which is one with the divine, always was and always will be. We may not live out of that beingness. We may not make our choices or behave our behaviors or think our thoughts or feel our emotions out of that beingness because we are that split off, but it's in there. And every now and then it arises, and we have what's called an epiphany or a spiritual uh, enlightened moment, spiritually enlightened moment. And we, we say to ourselves, wow, God spoke to me. And yes, I would say, yes, whatever that word God means to you did speak to you. But it came from inside of you because you are God. Not in any kind of messianic complex kind of way, but we are one with the divine. And if we are truly one with the divine, then the law of attraction has nothing to attract in terms of the external. Because if all things are one, what am I attracting? <laughs> what I'm doing, on the other hand, when I work with the true law of attraction is I'm, I'm opening, I'm awakening, I'm becoming more aware of who I truly am. And as I do that, I, walk, I take what's in there and bring it out and manifest it into the world. And that is true manifestation. That is how it really works. It does not work by me thinking my thoughts and trying to convince my brain not to think negative thoughts not, and, and building vision boards so I'll always focus on the results I want but then try to detach from the results. It doesn't work by, by um, insisting that my thoughts must always be positive and my words must always be positive. That is fear-based thinking. Uh, oh, if I'm not thinking positive, bad things are going to happen to me. It's just as fear-based as any other thing that says, if you do this, then you're going to hell or you're, you know, you're going to experience bad things. True, the true law of attraction is not fear-based. It is simply walking inside yourself to find out who you are. And so, yes, when we walk into this shadow, when we, when we walk, traverse the inner terrain into the shadow material, we're not only going to find stuff that we left out of our conscious experience, but we're also going to find out who we really are. And then we'll merge all those things because everything we tossed out has something for us. We, we threw it away because we thought it was useless, but it's going to turn out to be one of the most useful things in our lives. So the journey is inward, not outward. That's what the true law of attraction is all about. So stay tuned for that book. It's coming out September the 30th, The Law of Attraction, The Soul's Answer to Why It Isn't Working and How It Can. And next week, we're going to be talking to Joyce Rudd about her book, Fragments of His Ancient Name. You don't want to miss that. It's a very beautiful, gentle story and a very beautiful, gentle uh, guest we're going to be having. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.